0: You'll get a 20% discount on your first order when you sign up for emails this week at bonecur.net. That's b o n c o e u r.net and use the code citycast 20 Today on CityCast Portland, we're talking about restaurant break-ins, the legislative fight over rent control, and oysters stealing green crabs. Joining us for our weekly news roundup are Portland Business Journal Managing Editor Andy Gigrich and reporter Malia Spencer. It's Friday, April 7th. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. Malia, Andy, thanks so much for joining us, and Andy, welcome back.
1: Well, oh, thank you so much. Uh, it's uh, uh, I, I'm really amazed that you're having me back.
0: <laughs> uh, Malia, I don't know if you know this, but Andy was like our very first roundup uh, guest. Oh, that's exciting! It, it really was.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was. It, it, it that will that's online forever now, so um, no one can ever take that from me.
2: Have you added it to your LinkedIn resume?
1: Oh, my God. It's it's on my TikTok page. And, uh, <laughs> <I didn't. laughs>
0: well, before we dive into uh, some of this week's stories, I wanted to ask you both a question. And and actually, since we were talking about TikTok, I'm not sure if you're on TikTok, but a while back, uh, there was a trend going on where people would make a list of of all the places in their cities that they would take someone they hated.
1: That's pretty good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but uh, I'll start mine off just so you, you guys can take a moment to gather your thoughts. Um, but I thought that immediately we would only get around by those Orange Bike Town bikes, not because they're terrible bikes. I think that's a great service that we have, but because of the reception that we would get from people who live here. Like nobody likes seeing someone on those bike town bikes for some reason. And I think it's because we've seen so many people try to like, you know, get on the I-5 with them accidentally. Like because they don't know Portland and they're just like on <laughs> the wrong street, you know. Right. And <laughs> you're just like, get right. out of you, moron. You're gonna kill yourself. <laughs> so yeah. It's pretty good. And then and then from there, we're just gonna do a, a tour of lines. Like we're just gonna go. We're g- we're gonna yes. go straight to Screen Door, no reservation, eleven a.m. Let's start the day. <laughs> I mean, it's not like you could make a reservation because nowhere in town takes a reservation. Actually, Screen Door does take a reservation, but nobody. Yes, they? but nobody knows about it. Oh,
2: I have been guilty of taking friends to Screen Door, but I make them go right when it opens because I did have the I had the um, the candied bacon that they yeah, do the praline, and it changed my of course. life like it was it was really good i was like okay
0: so that would be breakfast and then for lunch we would go to porquino for the best tacos this side of the mississippi and wait for, for another like maybe hour and a half right uh, for, for six dollar tacos and then uh i would I, we're gonna skip dinner because i don't like this person and we are we will wait at a voodoo donut line Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for dinner. Cause everyone loves donuts <laughs> for dinner. Right. I mean, donuts anytime.
1: That's, that's vindictive. So <laughs> I would take them to, there, there's this place sort of by our office called the yard house and it's a <laughs> quote unquote beer place. And I would take them there because if, if I hate them, just because the service is always terrible. The the beer selection isn't that great. So they would leave Portland And tell people, oh, my God, their reputation for beer is so terrible. I'm, you know, I'm never going back there again. And and just, yeah.
2: Nice. Nice. What about you, Malia? I, so, I'm going to preface this by saying I'm probably the worst person to ask this question to because I cover so many small businesses that I have such a hard time being like, that's not
0: good. Like, it doesn't have to be a small business. Like, I feel like I started that trend. It could just be like, oh, I'm going to take them to this really dumb park, you know?
1: Yeah, Um, for sure.
0: Definitely maybe
2: taking people to lines, maybe not, um, well, definitely the voodoo line because that's just fun. <laughs> um, but going to places at their peak time, yeah, you yeah. know, like go trying to go somewhere for brunch at like 11, um, you know, once everybody has rolled out of bed from whatever they did the night before um, and maybe go to do a hike in the gorge at like noon, <laughs> So mean. And make them park. I'll make them <gasps> drive. So they have to find the parking oh my God. Um, and not tell them about the whole white line. Yeah. Thing. Can um, we
0: just Andy? I love that you're like I have. I have what <laughs> Andy go ahead. I got. One, I got.
1: One. If if I could get in there, like like uh, a training room at Nike, because like uh, uh, the employees there are so intense about everything. It's just not not like any other gym you could possibly go to. They're just like going to be all like get on my way. And it's so yeah. If I could possibly somehow get in
0: there. <laughs> so niche. If you could even get in into the Nike training room, I would love that you'd jump ho- hoops just to take someone you hate Absolutely. into that training room. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. <laughs>
0: well, uh, thank you for playing with me. Um, but Malia, I really want to start off with your headline because you wrote it. This is your story. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about it. So the story is about um, restaurants in
2: Portland, and there was a survey. Um, where let's see, it was more than a hundred respondents, and ninety-seven percent uh, didn't think the city is headed in the right direction to have a thriving food industry, which is pretty staggering considering how Portland is kind of uh, known yeah, as this foodie. We're known place. as a
0: foodie town, yeah. Right. I mean, we were just talking about you know taking people to brunch and like all of these food things. I mean, um, that's the first thing that you would come to. Like, I'm gonna. If someone <laughs> visits me, where am I gonna take them to eat? Which is a hundred percent right. Yeah. Exactly. And so um, there's
2: a software company in town called Poached that does hiring software for restaurants. And they work with folks all over the country, but they're based here in Portland and they did this survey of Portland customers. Um, And it was done sort of at the prompting of uh, one of their customers, who also happens to know the owners, the owner of um, Laughing Planet, which has, um, I believe they have 15 locations across three states. I mean, most of them are in Oregon. Most are in kind of the Portland metro. Mm -hmm. Um, But he had four break-ins in five days and was thinking, am I, like, is it me? Like, what's happening? And so um, he asked, hey, can you maybe do a survey or something? We can see what's going on and kind of get a little bit of a benchmark. And so they did the survey. And some of the numbers are just... You know, it's it's sad. So 83 percent of respondents said that their businesses had been broken into 90 percent of that group said it happened in the past year. Seventy nine percent said that they were broken into more than once and 30 percent had been broken into more than five times. And this is like property damage. You know, those windows are expensive to replace. Um, you know, people's insurance are dropping them because they're making too many claims or people just don't make claims. So it's really hard to have a small business right now. Um, and particularly these restaurants um, and so they were kind of hoping to at least said shed some light on this because um, another issue that kind of came out was that 99 percent of respondents do not feel that portland's elected officials are supporting them so there's just this huge disconnect between these business owners and city hall you know they're not feeling seen they're not feeling heard these are you know smaller businesses compared to maybe some others in town and so they are just really frustrated, which is really sad.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, if you walk around your neighborhood and all you see are, like, boarded up, you know, glass doors because they were just knocked out the day, you know, the night before, you're not going to feel right. safe or you're going to feel bad, especially if, you know, I don't know. Like, I live in St. John's and that happened uh, a few weeks ago where – uh three people got hit, you know, like three stores mm-hmm. and they were like my yeah. favorite little restaurants, my favorite, it was like my favorite wine shop. And you feel so bad because you know that they're small business owners and what, what do they, they just yeah. have to replace the window and move on, you know? And it's just, and, and so many of them too are, um, you know, these little areas,
2: and somebody had pointed this out to me, like people talk about where you live in Portland, kind of based on what your little commercial district mm-hmm. is. Like that's kind of the heart of each of the neighborhoods. Um, Andy, what do you
0: think?
1: I mean, it is out and out depressing to uh, walk into a, a, a place that has a boarded up front door for for sure. Um, it's just kind of mind blowing. Um, the the ninety percent thing uh, when Malia mentioned that at our newsroom meeting uh, a couple weeks ago, we we were just a- absolutely gobsmacked. Um, so, um, but like, were you
0: surprised?
1: I, I was surprised by it, that that it was a high number, yeah, but but it's just hearing it was just uh, just very, very stark, though.
2: one of the other things I found interesting as I've been kind of covering this stuff is that um, it's also, you know, Portland's dealing with a lot of things right now and trying to sort of um, have a lot of discussions at the same time that, you know, multiple things can be true at once. Um, and so, There's a lot of nuance that people have been kind of pointing out. Like everybody I talk to is like pretty careful to say like, look, we think there are people who are being opportunistic on the fact that like there's not going to be ramifications. Like this isn't necessarily folks who have been, um, you know, pushed out into homelessness because of the um, affordability issues and stuff in town. Like Like these are just criminals. Yeah. Which has been actually something that I have been... um, I guess, kind of pleasantly surprised about because as we've gone into doing a lot of this coverage, I was expecting people to be equating things that don't need to be equated and shouldn't
0: be equated. um, And people
2: weren't, which was really surprising.
0: Yeah. But what are you hearing, I mean, about things happening? Because I I feel like the only reason the Central Eastside started getting those sweeps at night and more police presence is Mm -hmm. because salt and straw... Did something that, of course, a lot of us were like, oh, so cringy, but it worked. For those who don't know about the salt and straw thing, salt and straw is a- another line that I would take someone I hate. Um, they make. Well, then to be fair, the ice cream is good. I don't like salmon ice cream, but yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like salmon miso ice cream, but sure. Yeah. Uh. So uh, they, but they're huge, and they basically said, hey, we're going to leave Portland we're going to leave Portland if the, if, you know, if the the police presence doesn't step up because our, you know, our, our employees are feeling unsafe and that just, that, that can't be. And so something Mm -hmm. did happen. Uh, Even though everybody was like rolling their eyes about it, something did happen. Right. And it wasn't, I mean, it was salt and
2: straw, um, Revan Optics, which is over there. And these are all like small businesses that started in Portland and do a lot for the small business community. I mean, People go to Kim Malek and talk to her a lot of the time about like, how did you build this? Cause it's really hard. Um, And so they, unfortunately, I mean, they had to go that direction and something happened, which is kind of like this survey that I I talked to the um, restaurant owners about, you know, they also kind of wanted to have this so that they at least had some numbers to point to and really try and highlight this issue because that's the thing is like, People, I don't know, they're not seeing it, they're ignoring it, they're not listening to it, whatever. And as one of the restaurant owners told me, like sometimes you gotta poke the bear. And so they have this survey. They've got a lot of anonymous um, comments from various restaurant owners about the problems that they're having. And I think they're just really trying to use it to sort of show
0: the elected officials, like, this is what we're dealing with here. Like, please help us. They have to get united in a sense, a union, if you will.
2: Right, a <laughs> union. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, they, Because, like, the difference between a small business owner trying to call up City Hall versus, like, you know, one of the the giant bank or something like that. I mean, it's going to get a different response. And that's what people have been talking about. And so, you know, Salt and Straw has such a big, important brand that, you know, they were able to kind of be like, look, we've done a lot for the city. Please help us.
0: Yeah. Okay, let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, more headlines of the week. Andy, uh, I know that you wanted to talk about the rent control bills that are advancing. Would you would you tell us what's going on with that?
1: Right now, it is still in the process. What it's it's not like a purgatory, but whatever it is between um, com, uh, committee and uh, the full Senate. So um, yeah, a Senate committee passed the bill that they're shaping over on Monday uh, by. Uh, Party line vote of three to two. Could you explain what the bill um, is
0: for those who haven't been following the, this <laughs> legislative session? <laughs> oh. Is my rent going down? Is <laughs> that what this bill yeah. means?
1: You're, that, that's right. Everyone's rent is getting cut. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, hardly. So, so basically, um, uh, in 2019, there was a bill passed um, that that did offer some form of rent control in, in Oregon, and that called for. Um, the limit of rent increases could only be 7% plus the consumer price index. And um, that seemed like a good thing uh, at the time, just because a lot of rents were going up by 20, 25% or God, infinity. So uh, a couple of senators uh, got together and said, let's um, let's try to manage this a little bit more. So, I mean, the, the bill's taken shape over the past couple of weeks. And on Monday, are, uh, the, 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 the measure that passed out of committee has like a lot of wins for the building owners, I think. Um, for starters, I'm going to, Claudia, sorry, man, there's going to be a lot of numbers. Here. Go for it. Go um, for it.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, okay. So originally they had sought limiting it to 3% plus consumer price index. So that would probably be like in a normal year, 7%. The uh, landlords, building owners uh, got them to compromise. And so now they got 5% plus CPI or the lower of those, of those numbers. So I just think there were a couple of things that the landlord's building owners really did get. Uh, the big thing being that, um, there is an exemption right now that this doesn't, this doesn't take effect for buildings until they, the buildings are 15 years old. So, um, the senators wanted to, uh, knock that down to three years. Um, no, they they did not win that. They didn't win anything remotely close. There's no middle ground on that. It's staying at 15 years. So, so that's that's a pretty big win for uh, for for the the landlords here. I, I think, but I, I guess like 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 one thing that was a little bit of a revelation, and and this this comes from like the National Apartment Owners Association, is, I think the group. So take that for what it is. Um, but they they say that like 50% of their members are. Um, are mom and pop landlords. So they are like ADU owners and whatnot. So, um, um, I guess you could, you know, looking out for them, they, they would get squeezed, uh, if they have, uh, you know, just like, like a bunch of issues with, with their unit and they have to do a lot of repairs or mm-hmm. something. And then they, they can't raise rent by more than, than 10%. So, so yeah, they, they, they could get hit. I, always looking out for the, uh, the, the little guy here, yeah. I guess.
0: It's so funny because I feel like a lot of people don't, especially those who are renting, uh, just never see a landlord as a little guy, you know?
1: <laughs> I know. Oh, my God.
2: <laughs> I think it also depends on if you're if you're renting from, you know, big faceless private right. equity company that owns like yeah. 10 buildings or if you're renting from, you know, somebody who lives on the other side of Portland or...
1: But yeah, that's almost certainly who, who's fighting this because all of the arguments against are just that it'll be too expensive to build here. And uh, building owners or, or developers are 66% less likely to build in places where there's rent control. Yeah. So um, I, the answer to that is that it's happening everywhere. you know.
0: Malia, what do you think
2: of these bills? I mean, having some sort of stability is huge um, for, for folks. I mean, that's part of the issue with everything we were talking about earlier and like affordability and stuff like that. I mean, this ties into, um, it ties into all of the small business owners and things like that too. Um, when I had been talking to one business owner, they were telling me like in old quote unquote old Portland, you could live in your neighborhood and work at a restaurant in your neighborhood or work at a independent retailer in your neighborhood and walk to work. Mm -hmm. It was great. It was all in this neighborhood. And then things started to get slowly more expensive, and you had to move a little bit further out. And then maybe you had to bike to work or you took the bus, you know? But then people kept having to get further and further and further out. And so now you've got the issue where all of these small business owners can't find employees because they got to live so far away. Yeah.
0: And um, they're not, yeah. So and then you have to you know. afford a car. It's so funny. We were just talking right. to, um, we were just talking to Jonathan Moss from uh, Bike Portland and, uh, He basically stated that, like, hey, people are biking less because of how the expansion is working, you know, and people are, you know, and it's because of they can't afford to live closer to where they work. Um, But, yeah,
1: you you, you know who the first first person was I ever heard talk about that was Andy Ricker of Hock Pock, who was saying that, um, you know, he was uh, having trouble keeping employees because they, uh, you know, had to keep moving further and further out.
2: So, So, I mean, bottom line, something's got to be done.
0: Well, thank you, Andy, for breaking that down for us. I've been hearing about it, um, been talking to actually tenant rights activists about, you know, how hard they're pushing to make sure that landlords aren't getting any more gains. Uh,
1: yeah, no, I'm not sure. You, you you probably don't remember, but when I was on the first time, we talked a little bit about like... Um, uh, landlords and bankers being like the most strident lobbyers. So this yeah. is, you know, Exhibit A on that.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm going to uh, veer us off course because I want to talk about green invasive crabs. This is a st- what are green invasive crabs? <laughs> Buckle up. All right. No, so this is a story from the Northwest News Network uh, by a reporter named Tom Bonsey. Um, and it's going to sound like I'm talking about Something that it's only affecting Washington, but I swear we're gonna come around to Oregon <laughs> and how why it's gonna affect Portland. I mean, there's crabs here. There's crab people. You can get crabs on the yeah. coast. So th- these green invasive crabs are hitched a ride from Europe, came up from California, and found a stronghold in Willapa Bay, uh, which is in in uh, in Washington. And I didn't know this, but this bay. Uh, produces, like, nearly 70% of the oysters from, like, Washington. Oh, no. And elite... I, I know some people who are going to be very sad. The Fat Bastard comes from this bay. I don't know if you guys eat oysters, but the Fat Bastard is one of my favorites. Uh, it comes from Wallapa Bay. And they're also—Washington is by far the largest producer of manila clams in the nation— And this is all shellfish growers basically ringing the alarm, which has been happening for a bit. It's like, hey, these crabs are not only eating like the baby, you know, oysters and clams and are are screwing up our beds, but when they're done with that, they're actually eating the entire ecosystem. They're going after the grass, they're going after all the things that make, you know, uh, this bay a habitat. Uh, So, can we maybe stop this? And now, finally, like, uh, Senator Patty Murray and Derek Kilmer are expected to announce an initiative to secure funding to really go after them. Do these crabs taste good? This is the annoying part. Like, like most non-natives, they take and they don't give <laughs> because there's, oh. there's no meat on these crabs, really. Oh! Yeah. So they're just out there ruining life for everyone, and uh, you can't really eat them. So... Oh bummer. I know. So Tom followed one of these one of these boats that were going out to you know take these 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 crabs out of out of their section of the bay. The crew collected like a hundred and nine in less than two hours and Right now, they're they're starting to form in Oregon. People have seen them, but the Oregon Department of Wildlife is like basically saying not much. They're just like there's there's no real interest in removing the green crab, even though we're seeing exactly what's happening in Washington. And we do grow uh, oysters. We we do grow shellfish. We you know the delicious kumamoto. I'm just naming like my my all-star favorites. <laughs> wow.
1: You are like this. Do you
0: guys not eat oysters? <laughs> that should have been my first question. I don't. My my mom loves oysters. So this was a big deal for me because I love oysters. Uh, and when uh. I heard that there might be, you know, Uh, A reason that I would maybe not have oysters in the next 10 years, like I perked up, you know. Um, So right now, the Oregon Fish and Wildlife Department, if you go into their, you know, website, they're basically saying like, hey, man, they're here to stay. Live with them. Um, Here is a recipe on how you can eat them because we know that they're not that good. (laughs) (laughs) And you can hunt them, of course, all year long because like they're like, that'd be great if you guys just – basically their strategy is like the people will eat them i wonder if there's like a way for you know california because northern
2: california has got it as like the the shellfish uh industry and everything as well like is there some way for like the west coast to like yeah. i don't know do something. unite yeah
0: <laughs> yeah exactly i don't know form a <laughs> I just feel like if, if, if I could just choose any title for this episode, it would be like, I don't know, form a union. <laughs> 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 yeah, because it's happening in California and they're not also taking a huge interest because what happens is the currents move up, right? So all the larvae oh, right. of these... Uh, Invasive green <laughs> crabs are going up, and where are they getting stuck? In the bays of Washington. Right, right, right. Because Canada comes out. Exactly, because Canada there. comes out. So they're getting stuck in Washington. So to, for Washington, it's devastating, you know, their shellfish oh, yeah. uh, industry. But we're just like, see you later, little crabs. <laughs> but eventually they're going to eat their way down. Right. It's Having, never has goes no one well. read The Hungry Caterpillar? Right, exactly.
1: Oh, I haven't. What,
0: <laughs> Andy? You have not read The Hunger Caterpillar, a little Hunger Caterpillar, except in this book, it turns into a beautiful butterfly. Right, right, right. Or maybe it should be if you give a mouse a cookie. I don't know. I never. I didn't let's read that one. one. But all I'm time.
2: saying is same same sort of thing.
1: I didn't. I didn't realize we, this. This is going to be an English lit. <laughs> yeah, been, uh, I mean, classic.
2: English lit, English flash lit children's <laughs> children's literature.
0: Let's let's. It's classic English <laughs> lit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the, the the oregon thing here i i am kind of just hung up on this so oregon is just not not caring or or just they don't like, see it like, as a
0: big enough threat um even though we all know that these things compound you know
1: yeah it's right. obviously a threat start
0: small <laughs> yeah start just, small not a big just deal the fact that they're here is like not cool you know right
2: yeah yeah
0: i mean yeah. i don't
2: know we've just lived through three years of maybe it won't come over here and maybe it won't be a big deal. Yeah,
0: Um,
1: (laughs) It all comes back to the pandemic. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you for listening to my uh, piece. So if anyone out there loves oysters and crabs, if you see these little, Green crabs, and here's the thing: they're not necessarily green. It's just it's the kind of I know. Sometimes they look like dungeness just by color, but a Uh, real but anyone who actually knows crabs would would be like, "What's this weird little guy?" Because they don't get as big, and they have like these weird. Their shell has like kind of it's kind of spiky. Figures, yeah, of course, right? (laughs) Is there something to do with the shells? Because sometimes I know like crab shells
2: or oyster shells and stuff get used in like other industrial kind
0: of. Oh, so you think that maybe we could find a use for the green crab, make right. it so people and so then go Then maybe
2: people will care to go, because basically you gotta, you gotta make money on something. Mm-hmm. So if people can then care that way, maybe.
0: That's actually a good idea. I don't know. Because it's definitely not the, the meat of this crab that people are wanting. Right, right. We can't eat them. Oh, actually, before we leave, I do want to state uh, that our lead producer, John, uh, wanted to join the uh, conversation at Top, where we were talking about where would you would take someone you hate and he, his... I would, well, now I would take them crabbing for these crabs you can't (laughs) eat. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually a great idea. We're just like, we're going to go crabbing and every crab, we're just like... Getting on a boat, you're going to get seasick (laughs) and then you get no benefit. These are terrible crabs. Also, they're ruining things, so we're having a good time all around. But John said that he would basically get a McMiniman's uh, passport and force... The person <laughs> visiting to go to every McMinimins with him and get a stamp. And I don't know why, but that's so evil and hilarious. And I just needed to mention that. For those who don't know what McMinimins is, uh, it's like our our own indie version of a Red Robin. <laughs> or, <laughs> or an Applebee's. <laughs> but like better, of course, you know, but. <laughs> they got cool art. Yeah, but it's, it's you know, it's a chain. Well, thanks, you guys, for uh, hanging out and uh, talking through some of the news headlines this week. Uh, Andy, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Malia, thank you for joining us for the first time. Hopefully, we'll have you back on again, maybe as a follow-up for uh, your your business break-in story. Yeah. Of course. That's all for today here on CityCast Portland. Our lead producer is John Atariani. Our audio producer is Julia Fiaioni. Our newsletter editor is Rachel Monaghan. Special thanks to Lizzie Goldsmith for all of her production help this week. And our host is me, Claudia Meza. Original music by Jenny Conley and Stephen Drizos. Additional music by Epidemic Sound. We'll be back Monday morning with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slims.